Atomic Monsoon. Hey, that's us. Yeah, hey, yeah. that was our lovely intro music that you just heard from yeah. the Def, L- F- Def M Records. Def F- yes, oh yes. man, say that three times fast. Uh, that, that, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Josh. Hey, I, we're, we're continuing Transformers Month, aren't it, we? It is Transformers Month, yes. Excellent. Uh, we have a very special guest today. We do. We do. We have Joe Nolosco, Nolosco, the global brand manager for the Transformers trading card game. Drew, how are you doing today? Hey, everybody. It's great to be on the show. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. Drew, why don't you tell us about the Transformers trading card game a bit? Sure. So, uh, a, so a long time ago, Wizards of the Coast, we, we, we have these sort of product development meetings where mm-hmm. people can pitch. And um, there, were, there were lots of cool ideas. And I would say maybe 2% of them actually make it to, to market, if that. Sure. Uh, and at some point, someone said, hey, why don't we do a trade, Transformers trading card game? And then nearly identical timing over in Providence, Rhode Island at the Hasbro headquarters, uh, there was a conversation over there. And they're like, you know, we have a wholly owned subsidiary that does trading card games. Why don't we do a Transformers trading card game? And uh, (laughs) (laughs) a little parallel thinking there, huh? Yep, and that parallel thinking was the was the sort of uh, momentum necessary for to push through into development. And uh, we worked with our compatriots over at uh, Hasbro Transformers Global Brand Team and the Transformers Creative Team uh, to identify what of the massive world of Transformers was the right um, uh, slice of Transformers to hit with a trading card game. Who were we? Who were our potential players and and customers? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Um, we ended up uh, narrowing it down to this, to what we have, which is a very fast-paced uh, robot battler that is centered on the Generations subline of Transformers, which includes everything from G1 all the way up through um, uh, the current War for Cybertron, and is fairly toy-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, generations that is, uh, and then um, one of the really, really unique and neat things about the Transformers trading card game is that uh, because we wanted the games to start with action on turn one, that implied that your Transformers characters start and play, which means they don't shuffle into your deck, which is a little bit unusual for trading card games. Uh, but that let us do some really astonishingly cool things with the character cards because they didn't need to shuffle, which means that they could vary in size. Mm-hmm. So our, our regular sort of standard um, uh, size characters are uh, twice the size of a, of a normal playing card. And then that means that our, our, our Titans, which are the Transformers characters who, who t- convert from robots into cities, uh, they are almost the size of a sheet of paper. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, and that is that is astonishing. And then it allows us to take the really tiny Transformers toys and make them into smaller cards. So we get this sort of, um, in some ways, fidelity to uh, the, the the varying size of Transformers toys. The cards are double sided, so they each the characters convert from bot mode into alt mode, which makes them feel like Transformers, right? Like that's the essential nature of a Transformers character is that it converts, right? And uh, 
and we, we go from there. Um, we just had some really big news uh, this last weekend coming out of New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Generations line is adding a third faction. So you, we all know Autobots and Decepticons, right? Right. Uh, they have been added for millions and millions of years, uh, and uh, for the 2020 toy and storylines, there's going to be a third faction of unaligned mercenaries um, who are not fighting for the ethical or uh, political reasons or that the Autobots and Decepticons fight. They, they're in it for the Energon. And uh, we're going to debut Mercenaries in our upcoming November booster set, War for Cybertron Siege 2. <laughs> Drew, you just went through like half my notes of things I wanted to ask you about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, well, that's great. Yeah. We've got, no. that, we've got the top line out of the way, which means we can go right into the details. Yes. The fun part. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've been playing the Transformers trading card game since the day one of retail. Like I went down to my local game shop and I bought a booster box and a couple of starter sets and my brother came over and we sat there for like three hours and figured out how to play um, and just used the Autobot starter set and swapped out just the character cards to, to figure everything out. Right. Um, and then a great just, way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of went from there. Um, and about a month later, um, I found that same shop was doing a, a local uh, casual Transformers group on Sundays. Um, and so I've been playing pretty much every week since about a year ago, um, give or take here or there. Um, yeah. And so so that's been a lot of fun. And then I actually just got Josh into the game a little bit over the summer. Yeah, I was a uh, former Magic the Gathering player for many, many years and uh, saw Andy checking out these cards. I was like, what is that? That is incredibly shiny. What What is going on? He started showing me some of the character cards and talking about the game and showing me the mechanics of the fact that you start out with characters on the board. And I just went, wait. What's going on here? And it was really as a as a player from you know coming over from Magic and everything. It really was really intriguing seeing that mechanic put into it because it, it to me it just added a whole new level to the tactical part of the game for a trading card game because it just, it was so completely different than anything I had dealt with before. And then getting to see the the big oversized cards and stuff it reminded me a lot of the uh, uh, was it the overclocked was that the Magic uh, the old. Uh, um, oh geez, or unhinged, unhinged. I'm sorry, okay. unhinged. Uh, the uh, the old Magic the Gathering set that had like the giant like cards in it that were you know you could combine together and everything. Mm-hmm. It, it really threw back to that, and it just it was super neat to see, and I was really excited about it. Started playing, and it, it's a lot of fun. You guys have done really well with the mechanics on this, and just the way everything integrates. It's a lot of fun. So thanks for bringing a new person into the game. Hey, you're and, welcome. <laughs> uh, question for you: as a as a uh, you know a, a former Magic player, how easy for it? Was it for you to, to dive right in? Uh, pretty easy. Uh, there's, you know, things that you've got to, to relearn a little bit. Like, uh, to me, it was just the tapping mechanic and um, building the deck. Like, you know, just because I'm so used to the magic part of it, it was just like, oh, I can only use three things. All right, I need to redo this deck and <laughs> pull out a bunch of stuff. And, you know, just little things like that. But uh, just picking up the mechanics was super easy. Uh, it was it was just the, I immediately went like, okay, you transform the cards. It's kind of like the, uh, when they introduced the, um, like, I'm like trying, the vampires and yeah, werewolves. Yeah, the vampires and werewolves. Yeah. It was like, so immediately that clicked in real good. The tap mechanic, obviously, you know, magic. The you know that worked out pretty well. Uh, and then when I started getting into the having the uh, the weapon masters and everything, it was just like, all right, man, I got gear. I'm equipping. Like, okay, I, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. And it's kind of fun to see to look at it from a magic background and building decks because there's little things that I'm looking at going like, I wonder if I can make this work because that works like this mechanic used to in magic and just trying to build decks around the way that I look at it from coming from a different game. 
So it, it's a lot of fun, and it, it wasn't hard to pick up. I, I just having a little bit of a background in it, it was it was pretty easy. There's a few little little things that I'm still trying to figure out. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I need a, to remember to transform every. You know, I keep right. transform every time. I got to remember to keep doing that. You know, little things that you just got to pick up because it just it's it's such a fun game. It's so fast paced that it, it, I don't know. It's just it's a lot of fun. It, it, it's super super good. So play play a Metroplex deck, and you will never ever forget your conversion. <laughs> That's, That's actually true. The, the the first deck that I picked up was the the Metroplex one. Uh, got that and a bunch of boosters, and immediately built myself a uh, a, a deck just out of boosters to play against my Metroplex <laughs> to see if I can make it work. I'm glad that it was easy for you to pick up. One of the the sort of guiding principles from the game design uh, point of view of, for this product was to make the game system easy to grok and offload as much of the complexity into the card interactions as possible. So deck building or your, the tactical choices that you, you make when you're in the game. But we wanted to make a game that parents, people who are our age, uh, who grew up with Transformers and were raising little Transformers fans, uh, could have a, a face-to-face experience where they share their love of Transformers. And it was it, both both the parent and the the youngster could pick it up easily, knowing that the parent would then find a mu- lot more depth and satisfaction that the youngster may not grok right. Sure. Um, and that that has been been one of our guiding principles, uh, and it's it's worked out really well. You know, it's uh, it's. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, you've got to explain something for me, and for our listeners that don't know as well, I haven't heard the term grok before. Oh, grok, grok. Yeah. Um, Grok is uh, understand at a fundamental level. Okay. Okay. Uh, like you can, I kind of get that, but when I grok it, it's like ah, it's mine. I under, I got it. All right. All okay. right. I dig it. I, dig I grok it. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but to uh, go back to that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's G R O K, and it is one of my favorite words. <laughs> um, to go back to what you said about about uh, parents and youngsters getting together, is uh, there was one week where I was the only one in the card shop, um, and I was just getting ready to pack up, and this dad and his two sons came in, and the kids, I don't know that they were even in, like, first grade yet. Like, they were two little kids, um, and they were still learning to read. But we sat down, and we played a couple of games, and I, I had, like, three or four decks built, and I was like, okay, well, hey, guys, here's my decks. Pick who you're going to play against. And, and they had they had bought a whole bunch of cards the day before, so they had built their stuff. So we just played some games, and I, I tried to explain all the rules, rules to them. Um, and it was real fun kind of watching the kids both understand the game and completely misinterpret some of the, uh, some of the rules. Um, yep. Like, I played the card Force Field, and one of the kids almost broke down in tears because he thought that meant I was going to be invincible forever. You know, one of the challenges from a, from a brand manager's point of view is we, we didn't make a kid's game. We made an adult game that kids can lightly uh, uh, enjoy. Yeah. Because yeah, you can play a simplistic version of it with your kids just with the colors and everything, mm-hmm. just putting down cards. It's, it's a great system. You did a really good job with it. Thanks, and I'm going to call out the game designers who were responsible for that because I was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the the final rule system design was by done by a guy named Brian Hawley, and Brian uh, lead in Wizards leads the Magic uh, Play Design team, which are the they are the um, the sort of back half of Magic uh, card design. They take card ideas and inspirations um, and, and the, the thematic design and they nail them down into and you know chisel it down into final 
balanced fun cards uh, and he did a great job mm-hmm. but we had about thir- 30 wizards uh contribute to the, the sort of design process and what you see is is it, actually it's a little bit unusual for for game design here in that it contains elements from lots and lots of people's designs mark rosewater worked on it he's the head designer for magic um there were a bunch of transformers people who worked on it and um uh there are little tiny elements that have pulled through, like the untapping mechanic um, was from one system, and we and Brian did a great job of of synthesizing that into this this final polished whole. It was really astonishing to watch. Watch. Yeah, um, I've messed around with a little bit of collecting, uh, trading card game, collectible card game uh, design. Um, my my background, I, I played Magic a little bit back, like literally in the Ice Age, uh, back in '95. Yep. Um, Same, and then. Uh, moved forward i played a little bit of the the marvel overpower game uh sort of in the mid to late 90s um and then i moved out here to phoenix from the new england area uh and i didn't have anyone to play anything with so i sort of fell off um and then i got into the wwe raw deal when that came out in about 2000 um and at one point i was ranked like 10th in the state in that game um and our number one ranked player in the state was also the number one ranked player in the world so i got pretty good at that yeah, um, <laughs> competition really improves your skills, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I went from playing with my friends and like, you know, we were all kind of 50-50 and then I started going to shops and playing with, you know, the, these ranked players and stuff and like suddenly my friends, a lot of my like friends in the neighborhood like didn't want to play with me anymore because I just kept winning. Um you know, so that's when I was like, all right, well, let me not just play this one super competitive deck. Look, let me start building weird ideas. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm having a lot of fun with in Transformers now is like, yeah, uh, I built a deck that was the Battlefield Legend Optimus Prime and Elite One, and there's no upgrades in the deck. It's all actions. Um, and To take advantage of their, of their abilities. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, it doesn't win very often, but I was playing over the weekend, and I think I got 12 actions off in one turn. Um, just from between playing actions during my turn and playing like brainstorm, which lets you, which lets you play extra actions, um, and like flipping stuff for Optimus's ability, and then um, there was one turn where Alita One got KO'd, and then I the ca- second card I flipped for her ability was an I still function, so she came back onto the field, and then KO'd herself again, and I got to flip two more actions. Yeah. Um, and just some of the combinations were, were ridiculous. And like I said, I don't, I mean, I, I've won maybe three games out of the 15 I've played with it, but um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Those ones that you're not winning, though, you're still having fun playing because you're getting to do things like pull out 12 actions in a single turn. So it, it makes, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, I lost, but that was, that was fun. Right, right exactly. You know, I want to I dive into that for a second, if Please. you're okay with this. Yeah. Um, one of the really beautiful things is, uh, about trading card games as a sort of um, medium for for play mm-hmm. is that uh, you the, the 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 medium encourages you to set your own goals, and the the game system will have goals right like win the game right but but because of the free form nature of trading card games and um, the way that they are customizable one of the things that we here at Wizards do on a regular basis is identify different what we call psychographics. Mm-hmm. Um, mental constructs that people have going into gameplay and what satisfies those players. Um, and if you've listened to some of the, the work by our, our magic designers, um, you know that we, we, we have them, we have different names for those people. Like spike is the, is the, is our code is our shorthand for the, 
the psychographic for the player who wants to win at all costs. Oh, right. These, yes, right? I've read this article, yeah. And each of those psychographics are, are, are all equally valid. Mm-hmm. At, and um, what you just talked about was a perfect example of you derived satisfaction because you had set a, a sort of goal in your head. How many actions can I play in this turn? Right. And you achieved your goal and you were super happy about it and you told that story to, to your friend, your friends and um, like that propagated out and that was awesome. And it didn't involve winning. It involved the, 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 the match that you were in. It right. involved winning against your own personal goal. Uh, and and that is why I love working in trading card games. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's especially fun because uh, for any of our listeners that haven't played this game, which I suspect is most of them, because we're not a specifically Transformers branded podcast. Um, you know, the game allows you to play one upgrade and one action per turn, and there are cards that will let you play more than that. But uh, yeah, typically you're you're playing maybe two cards a turn, um, and so when I pulled off you know the eleven or twelve actions on that one turn, it was. Kind of like everyone was like, "What? What just happened?" Like the people in the game next to us were looking over, and they're like, "How? How are there that many cards on the board that you just played?" And I was just like, uh, "Here." And I like, you know, I don't, and you know, it's been a week now, so I don't remember exactly the combination of things. But there were brainstorms and pep talks, and I kept drawing extra stuff that would let me play more things, and it was, yeah, kind of a ridiculous turn. And I don't know that I could ever replicate it. <laughs> yeah, see, and my, my philosophy going in from being from a magic background is I like to build, uh, I've always been a big fan of, like, control decks mm-hmm. specifically. Yep. And so for me, it's been fun, like, as, you know, as I'm getting more cards and looking at it and being able to see, like, okay, I can use these different things to, so, like, it can make you attack this one guy constantly while I'm constantly healing him mm-hmm. and buffing him with these other cards and just getting to tap this guy and make him stronger and just have you keep attacking it's fun to to see those different aspects of it and be able to look at it from a different perspective because in magic uh, there are some ways to do you know to force people to do certain things and to uh, put them into to pigeonhole them into a strategy that you want them to do but this one is to me anyway it's it's doesn't look like that's the way it's designed but it is designed that way at the same time because you can Mm -hmm. take those random weird characters and like oh yeah side swipe and or uh, uh run about and run amok i'm gonna sit there and <laughs> those two are so much fun to play yeah those two back and forth back and forth back and forth and you can you can build a deck around them and have a lot of fun doing it, it might not be the strongest deck in the world but it's a fun deck to play mm-hmm. so the, that run about run amok deck um if you go to your local game store that participates in transformers in store play mm-hmm. uh, after war for cybertron siege 2 comes out the promo cards that you get for participating in in-store play are a golden version of Runabout and Runamuck. I uh, I actually just got that text message this morning. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah. I love those two cards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my friend Drew Carlson, who's in our local play group, who, uh, by the way, told me, Drew, to say hi to you. Um, and to thank, uh, thank say, you. Hi, say hi to Drew. I will. Uh, <laughs> he told me to thank you also for Needlenose, uh, who's one of his favorite characters. Um uh, he brings his needle nose toys with him every week that we come play, uh, so that's that's super fun. Uh, he's also very thankful to the art team um, for the card smoke thrower, where the smoke thrower needle nose is sh- uh, using as his weapon is made up of the original needle nose toys to battle master partners. Yes, someone recognized it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so two things out of that conversation. Okay. One, there is a secret cabal of Drews. Is there? <laughs> yep. There are very few of us. There okay. are very few Drews in the world, but we're all actually part of a secret organization. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you what our goals are. The Dead of Drews. So, 
you just served as a, a courier for information between one <laughs> cell of Drews to another cell of Drews. So Wonderful. From the AZ chapter to another <laughs> to chapter. The Seattle chapter, yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm half Drew, right? My name's Andy, so I, I, I chose the other half of Andrew. But sure, go on. Doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. You're like you're like sort of an affiliated clan, right? Right. If I can uh, go, uh, if I can go with an old wrestling reference, it's like Bret Hart with the old NWO, where he wasn't really a member, but he was always kind of hanging out with them. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. You know, hey, yeah. For anyway. Transformers, you're, you're uh, kind of one of the mercenaries for the Autobots. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> or the Auto Drews. Auto Drew. Drewsepticons. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Decepticons. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the second part is one of the things that so we've done with the Siege sets. So yes. Siege is part one of the War for Cybertron trilogy. Right. And uh, the toy line uh, is fantastic. They're some of the, the, the most uh, articulated sort of standard size Transformers um, that's, that's, characters. That's really true. Um, I haven't bought a lot of Transformers toys in the last like five or six years. The last one I bought, I think, was the Masterpiece Acid Storm. Um, because his really neon green digital camo was incredible, and I couldn't not have that on my shelf. Um, but other than that, like I bought like the Hot Rod reissue because he's one of my favorites, and a couple others here and there. Uh, and the Siege line came out, and I was like, "Well, I'm buying that Hound immediately." Like there wasn't even a question. I saw it in the shelf, and I was like, "This is coming home with me." Um, and that Hound's ability to to, to pose. It it's, is fantastic. I have one of those on my desk. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. Like I just leave it on the the counter, and my roommates will start playing with it. And like they figured, they've all figured out how to transform it now. So I'll come home, and like Hound will just be a, a car with like one of the other random toys we have around the house, like surfing on him. <laughs> uh, so the uh, like, well, that Hound's a great example. So they took. Uh, a G1 character who yes. has had different iterations over time, and mm -hmm. they reimagined that Jeep yes. into what a Cybertronian Jeep would look like. Right, uh, yeah. Because War for Cybertron's this first part of the trilogy, Siege, is set on Cybertron millions of years ago. Right. So where we came in as part of the War for Cybertron story is we did as many of the toys in, as cards as we could. So mm -hmm. there's a hound. That's that exact toy in the game. Right. And... We print a lot more character cards than Hasbro can do uh, action figures for the Transformers line. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we worked out with the, the Hasbro creative team is we went back to characters from uh, all the way in the past, from G1, from 1984 through 1989, mm -hmm. uh, G1 and some G2 characters, who had not gotten a lot of love. And we worked with Hasbro and the Hasbro and the the uh, character designers to facelift those characters from their original G1 toy toy forms into what they would look like if it was modern design uh, redesign of a of that character as a Cybertronian pre Earth uh, version. And Needlenose was one of them. Yes. So, right. But the original version of ne Needlenose was a, uh, a sort of a modern fighter jet. Yeah, he looked sort of like a, I, I, uh, I want to say either an F-14 Tomcat or an F-16 Raptor, and I'm blanking. I, I'm, there's so many Decepticon jets, it's hard to keep track of which ones they each are other than the F-15 Eagles. So I, 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 it has a Delta wing, okay. right? Like, mm -hmm. right got all this, it, it, it's got this really long nose, hence right. needle nose. Right. Um, and so many of the jet characters from... Uh, Transformers were reimagined into this sort of we call them tetrajets. Yes, the kind of pyramid-shaped characters. Yep, or, yeah, yep. and they echo the original G1 cartoon design. Mm -hmm. 
for that first episode when you saw these sort of like flying pyramids through, you know, this, this, the, the, they were sort of like space fighters. Right. So, so we we knew that it wasn't the sort of standard body form, and we worked with the the visual design team to to take the bits of needle nose that made that original G1 toy visually distinctive mm-hmm. and translate it into Tetrajet form. Yes. And so it's this chunky Tetrajet with these delta wings, but it's got a really long, elongated nose and a very distinctive tail. Uh, I think it's one of the most successful visual read- uh, uh, facelifts we've done. And it, that particular portion of it, so I, for a very weird reason, uh, are also arc-directed Siege 1. Okay. Uh, and uh, our regular art directors, Shanna Duncan, art directed Siege Two, um, and we both we both thought that this was one of the most uh, enjoyable portions of art directing Transformers trading card game is reimagining these characters. Yeah, uh, Needle Nose is great because his bot mode still just looks like Needle Nose. Like, there's no questioning that it's him, um, which is not always the case with some of the the reimaginings, right? Like Cybertronian Optimus Prime, the like the the Dreamwave War Within design. Um, it's Optimus because he's red and blue, but if you put that in other colors, it could have been any other character. Whereas, right, but Siege takes a, a premium on making uh, strong callbacks to the original G1 body form. Right, right, which I, you know, as, as someone that I was two when Transformers first came out, so I literally don't remember not being a fan of it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And then, like you said, the Needlenose's alt mode, the, the Tetrajet, it's still very distinctly needle nose, but it's like, oh, that's needle nose as the Cybertronian mode. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's it, there's no way that that's not who it is. Yeah, and and yeah, I think you were definitely very successful in that. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> there there have been there there have been a number of these, and um, while it is while they they won't become toys, uh, if fans if fans really like that, uh, just let everybody know. Just let Hasbro know. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just I'll just call up uh, Hasbro Corporate after we get off the phone here. Hey, you can always hey Hasbro uh, at Hasbro. We yeah. really like Needle Nose. It's true. It's true. Needle Nose isn't even one of my favorite characters. Just you know, like he's one of those guys that like you look. You, you know, when you're a Transformers fan long enough and you, you read all of the IDW comics and everything, like yeah, there's all that stuff with Needle Nose and tracks and the the um, some of the later comics there. And like oh yeah, I forgot about Needle Nose. Cool. And then he shows up in the card game. And it's like yeah, that's that's him. And then you know, meeting the other Drew, and he's like, yeah, no, Needle Nose is great. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but no, he is he, he is a lot of fun, and his character, the ability to pull in those those bonus star battle cards um, is is a lot, that's a lot of fun, too. Like, any of those, those slightly game-breaking mechanics are ones that I really enjoy. Yeah, how did you guys decide to make the uh, the star mechanic for the deciding on uh, how big your, your the decks are, how much you can put into the deck? How did that come about? As far as uh, the you know the twenty five stars, like where where did that that come from? So uh, we very early on decided that this was not going to be a resource based game. So in general, trading card games fall into, are they a resource-based game or a not resource-based game? Mm-hmm. Magic's a resource-based game, right? You spend several turns building up things that generate resources for then you to uh, play other cards that advance the game state. Mm-hmm. Uh, Transformers, you start with your Transformer characters in play, and we knew that be- was because our primary goal was action quickly. Yeah. Uh, and after we made that decision we immediately started work on, okay, if your characters all start and play, how do we balance this thing? 
because not all characters are equally powerful. So there needs to be some scaling system that allows us to have relative values of power. That's pretty easy to grok. Uh, and that's, that's where we ended up getting the star system. It wasn't stars originally, right? It was something else. Sure. Um, but we, we, we ended up finalizing what the sort of scale of Transformers characters would be. And we knew that Titans had to be the max end of the scale. And characters like Micromasters would be the, the, the opposite low end of the scale. Mm-hmm. And then we started balancing things in between there. Uh, and that led to the innovation of having battle cards that cost stars. Um, and I think in an earlier iteration of the, the first set, we had star, battle cards that cost stars in the first set as well. And it was just too much, right? When, when we're starting a game, right. there's this sort of information complexities I- issue. It's like, it's not this, it's, there's, there's no context for people to evaluate the new thing that you've put out because mm-hmm. everything's new. Right. So we sort of parsed, parsed out the, the elements over the first few sets. Yeah, and I actually, as a as someone coming into the card game, and and um, you know, like I said, having played other ones and watching kind of their stuff evolve, like one of the things that I liked about this is that it was, you know, I, I sat down and I watched kind of the tutorial videos that you guys had on the the website, um, and yeah, within you know an hour or so, my brother and I figured out kind of exactly how to play. Um, and it was very nice to have, hey, there's there's the three color battle icons, right? You get the orange and the blue and the white. And it's like, okay, you get the offensive one, the defensive one, and the kind of critical hit one. Um, and that was it, right? And then like bold and tough and some of the other keywords, like the, those first few keywords you introduced, like, okay, cool. Like Pierce is always going to go through. Um, but there weren't a lot, like the highest Pierce, you know, you could really get up to in the first set was like four or five. So you're not going to kill someone first turn with that. Um, but yeah, like I appreciated how simple it was. I mean, I here I just went over the entire mechanics in that you know two minutes I was talking. Yep, and that's intentional. Yeah, and then we released Rise of the Combiners, which had a lot of new stuff in it, including the Combiners, which are pretty awesome. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> they're I, I think that they're the most astonishing thing about the trading card game, and really the way that we to date most uh, effectively taken. Uh, advantage of not having to shuffle the cards. And so for the listeners out there, yeah. uh, imagine a card that has a hinge in it so that the card folds in half. Think of like a greeting card. And when it's closed, one so- you have two faces, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so one face is uh, a character's robot mode, and the other face is its vehicle mode. And then when you open the hinge and lay the card flat, it reveals new image in, images inside, right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, for combiners, that image is the arm or the leg or the torso of a, a giant robot who is comprised of a team of smaller robots who, in addition to being a car and a, pl- and a, a robot, can also convert into like the leg of this giant robot. Right. So to use some non-Transformers uh, <laughs> terminology, it would be like Voltron or the Megazord. Right, like you Which get, you can do, and I can't. Right, I figured. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, you, you, in in those shows, you have your your vehicle or your your animal or whatever, and then they turn into the limb or the torso of the other giant robot. And Transformers has had that as well since 1984 or 85 when Devastator first came out. Um, and yeah, the card game. Like I, one of the things I appreciated too is like you guys aren't afraid to get weird right away. Like the first set was like okay, you know, there's the Optimus and the Bumblebee, and the starter set was all pretty well-known Autobots and Red Alert for whatever 
reason. Um, and then, like, you know, Flame War, who's a character that was, like, a San Diego toy, ex- like, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive toy, and I think, like, a BotCon repaint, like, a couple years later. And, like, she was just in the first set. And I was like, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so let's talk business for a second. Let's, let's do. So... There have been well over 125 trading card games in the last 25 years. I if you that. count, yep. Uh, if you count even very, very minor games that were released only briefly, that number pushes up to about 200. There have been a lot of things. aren't that many Star Wars ones alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I apologize. No, there's been several. Um, there was a Decipher Star Wars game that was pretty cool. Uh, way back during the early, like, I, we, it was probably a generation two of trading card games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyway, uh, people have done a lot of things with trading card games, and we needed to, A, immediately be astonishing on the table. You needed to visually look at what was going on and be like, wow, what the heck is that? Right. And it needed to feel like the brand. It needed to be ring true. Uh, we have a sniff test test, and so if it if it passes a, a hardcore Transformers fan sniff test, we know we've done our job. Okay. And then, and then three, we needed to demonstrate in the very first set that we were, in addition to pr- doing all of the characters that you always see in Transformers products, Bumblebee, Prime, Megatron, Starscream, right. you know, et cetera, that we were going deep 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 real fast Mm -hmm. and that's why and so there were signals we 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 literally reserved slots in that set to say okay we need to put characters in here that hardcore fans of the transformers brand will say oh wow i can't believe they did that because that's not the kind of thing i would expect to see in sort of you know j random trading card game right yeah um it yeah and and flame war was one of the signals because i actually learned of Flame War from the Transformers Legends uh, mobile trading card game that uh, yep. ran a few years ago, which I, I noticed a lot of the artwork of the characters are from that, which is great. I actually really appreciated um, having a physical version of those cards now that I can't play the game anymore. Um, so that that art was done. That's all Hasbro art, right? Right, right. Um, and one of the things that we did was leverage those art assets, which had never appeared in print. Mm-hmm. And in addition to creating our own artwork, in addition to using artwork from the IDW comics, all, all of which is Hasbro owned art. So we basically just went into the library and started pulling this art and like, Hey, can we use this? Can we use this? Can we use this? This is an awesome piece of art. Can we use it? Right. Yeah. And, and for me, it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> uh, last Thanksgiving, I was like, you know what? Like, they just, IDW just finished their 13 year run, and I sat down and I, I read through the entire series. Um, and it took me until about Valentine's Day, reading a few issues a day to do that. Um, and it was a lot of fun actually going through while I was reading and like, oh, hey, this is where this battle card comes from. Like, I just was flipping through and I was like, well, there's Null Ray of Starscream and Supercharged, like, on two pages apart in, like, the third issue or whatever. Yep. Um, which was a lot of, I mean, that was a, a fun kind of game um, <laughs> within the games, right, to sort of play. Um yeah, and as always, a shout out to our our um, compatriots at IDW Transformers team. Yes, uh, and editor John Barber. Um, it's been it's been wonderful uh, uh, being able to uh, bring use their work in another way, um, and they've been they've been awesome partners. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, 
<laughs> and then, yeah, the IDW guys, uh, speaking of weird decisions, right? Like, you have, you put Deadlock in the first set, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily an obscure character by today's Transformer standards because he later became Autobot Drift, but yep. who remembers that he was Deadlock unless you're a committed Transformers comics fan? Yep. Um, and now he's, he, you guys just revealed that he's going to be one of the mercenaries in the upcoming uh, wave as well. Yep, and and uh, well, I, I would love to say that we we knew year, several years ago that Deadlock was going to be a, uh, one of the mercenaries in Siege Two. We didn't at that point, sure. Uh, but we did want to call out, "Hey, this is an obscure version of a character that that other people know in a more popular form." Mm-hmm. So that was one of the single characters as well. Right. Yeah. Um- and now it's kind of fun looking at the thing, right? You've got two versions of Deadlock. Uh, you don't have a drift. And then you still, there's still a lot of like kind of popular characters that you haven't done, right? Like there's no Brawn in the game yet. Or yep. uh, at least that has been revealed. I don't know if he's coming in Siege 2. Um, <laughs> uh, Brawn is not in Siege 2. Okay. okay. Sorry, Brawn fans. I. You know, Brawn is, he's just one of those signal characters, right? I remember years ago, um, when the <laughs> when Transformers as a brand was sort of not happening um, in the mainstream, and there were people that were you know their signature things on some of the message boards would be Braun lives with like a silhouette of uh, Braun on his back with his hand up because we never actually saw him die in the movie, but uh, <laughs> you know, um, this is a little bit of internet Braun, deep dive. Yeah, <laughs> Braun fans will be happy in twenty twenty. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Um, not quite a reveal, but I'll take it. Um, yeah. So yeah. I can, I can answer that, that question a little bit more in more detail. Sure. So, that there are overall, um, at least several hundred and depending on how you look at it, low thousands of Transformers characters. Yeah, at least. And we need to be able to put many of the most, most popular characters uh, in every or every other set. Mm-hmm. We, new people come into the game all the time. Uh, we need to be able to signal to those p- players with characters that they know and love, regardless of their um, level of experience with Transformers. Right. It, it just makes sense to put Optimus and Megatron and Starscream and Bumblebee in almost every set. Correct. So like Of those four characters, there will prob- almost certainly be two in every set. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you've had at least three of them in all in every set so far. Right. Uh, Bumblebee does not appear in the Siege portion of the War for Cybertron trilogy. He's oh. doing other things that haven't been revealed yet. Okay. That's a little disappointing because I was kind of hoping to get his little UFO mode from uh, the first episode. But, you know, that's fine. There's six Bumblebees already, so... <laughs> that would have been... I, I, I regret that as well. Yeah. Me, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, uh, but that leaves space, some space in each set for whatever the main theme is. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like with combiners, we had to devote a, a, a significant portion of the character slots to combiner characters. Right, uh, and then from there, we we go through, and uh, one of our team members, Matt Smith, um, who is uh, I am very versed in Transformers. Uh, Matt is an expert in Transformers. Um, Matt uh, and and I work through with the Hasbro team of uh, which other characters can we pull out, and so. We've been waiting to deploy some of the not top tier in terms of of brand awareness, but second tier characters. Sure. 
Um, and then, you know, we don't want to have to do, we don't want to ever do a set where all of the new characters are ones that only the top 2% of Transformers fans know. Right. Right. Then that absolutely makes sense. Um, while people like me would be like, oh, hey, look at all these these weird Obscuro guys, right? Like, uh, but I, I also like, yeah, but this, is, this isn't this is a game for me. This is a game for everybody. Yes, exactly. Right. I'm just holding out, waiting for my Pretenders Wave Rider to come out. That's what I'm just waiting for. <laughs> so Pretenders are interesting. Um, <laughs> they certainly are. Uh, pretenders are... One of, one of the things we like to do is is Transformers, as we continue moving into the future, will have um, a mix of sets that align with the current generation's toy toys and Toy Story. Um, so presumably and, we're getting the War for Cybertron Earthrise line sometime next year. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, one of those things Hasbro announced it at New York Comic Con. So I, you know, I'm... I, Using I some certainly deductive... don't know, and I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> I, I didn't ask. I just I was just stating. I presume we might see this, um, and we'll alternate those with those sets that are that are themed with uh, with toy line and toy story line with uh, what we call in the house throwback sets to older sub brands of Transformers or uh, uh, themed toy gimmicks. I mean, gimmicks is not a pejorative word for us. It's right. a technical term. <laughs> no, I'm a wrestling fan. Gimmick is fine. <laughs> right. uh, and you know, there, there was a list of them and, and Transformers fans can probably rattle it off and pretenders and action masters um, uh, and headmasters. Uh, uh, those are, those are, sort of larger categories on that list. Well, there go more of my notes that I was going to ask about. <laughs> <laughs> Those were all great play mechanics, though, as a kid for the figures. So I imagine it's got to be a lot of fun for you guys to figure out ways to incorporate those into play mechanics for the game as well. It is. It's, it's, it's very, very challenging for some of them. But because Transformers has that not shuffling thing, and because we also are sort of charged with doing new things. And then there's a third part. Uh, Wizards releases a game that almost no one in the United States knows about because we don't release it here. It's called Duel Masters, mm -hmm. and it's released in Japanese for the Japanese market only. And there's a lot of crossover between the Duel Masters design team and product development teams and the Transformers product development teams because both of our games like doing weird stuff. Sure. Um, those hinged cards, for example, were originally developed by the Duel Masters product development team a few years ago. And so that was for Wizards an off-the-shelf thing, but for um, but for the North American market that was really weird and new. Yeah, it was one of the first one of those I saw. I was like, "What in God's name is going on with this car?" Yeah, uh, and I remember watching kind of your your little preview videos on on uh, Facebook and stuff, and being like, "How well is this going to hold?" How, how I mean, I, I figured like, "Hey, it's it's Wizards of the Coast, it's Hasbro. Like, it's not like they make a bunch of junk that falls apart right away." So I figured it was going to be sturdy enough. But um, yeah, I've only accidentally torn one of them. <laughs> uh, so someone stood there for, and, and flapped that open and closed, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, was that the the Vangelis video, right? Well, no, I mean internally, our quality oh. assurance. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I I saw his video too, and where he was flipping it back and forth for like eight minutes, and I was like, okay, well at that point, I, I yeah, this is this thing's going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah, and you know when we do weird things, there's always a little bit of risk involved, right? Like, sure. So every once in a while, someone may open a card that for some reason is damaged, and we just replace it. They just con contact customer service if you ever have that problem, and we'll send you a new one. Okay. No, I see. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Drew, are there any of the uh, cards, the the, the actual uh, Transformer cards, that you don't see played that you would like to see played more? Like, are there any? Is there a specific like an you know Autobot stuff? Gone doesn't matter. This is one of them that you don't just don't see in the tournaments or see talked about that you just you'd really like to see people like, hey, give this a try. See how you like it. So uh, it's funny that you played Metroplex as your first deck because not so much now, but when Metroplex first came out and in the initial months after it, Metroplex was definitely one of them. Um, we, I, I, I made a not great marketing decision and wasn't clear enough with players and consumers that Metroplex was not a starter deck because it's not a starter deck in the same way that Autobot starter deck is a starter deck. Right. It is a deck that a player who has had trading card game experience can come in and pilot but I wouldn't give it to someone as their very first thing in, to do in the world of trading card games. I would tend and to I agree would, with that, yeah. Okay. Yep. Like, you picked it up because you've had a magic, uh, background in playing Magic. And so a lot of the core concepts were, I think, were things you could take your pre-existing knowledge and be like, oh, I see how they're doing that here. And, oh, great, this is what it is. Awesome. Metroplex is actually reasonably powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and has, it shows up, it, I, I would not say it was ever the best deck, but it was certainly was competitive. Mm-hmm. So we, that, that was a little bit disappointing, and we've sort of corrected how we message stuff like that. Um, I would say uh, uh, one card right now that I'm a little surprised that people are not playing more is um, uh, Optimus Prime's brother, Ultra Magnus, from Siege 1. Uh, who, along with the, the Ultra Magnus armor, is very powerful. Um, I am actually a very big fan of the Ultra Magnus card. It took it took me a little while to figure him out, um, and I, I know a lot of people were like, "Well, he's he's you know he's twelve stars. The Magnus armor is two stars. So that's fourteen stars. That's over half your team to start with." What is and and kind of the signal we got early on was the bigger characters, um, the 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 more expensive you know resource star characters um, are the ones that are like the centerpiece of your team. And I was like, okay, what if Ultra Magnus isn't that, right? What if Ultra Magnus is my meat shield, or well, he's not made of meat, but you know what I mean. Um, yep. What if he's protecting my other characters? And I thought, okay, who could I team Ultra Ma- you know Ultra Magnus up with? Um, and I came across Jetfire. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I saw that you were playing an Ultra Magnus and Jetfire deck as well. And I was like, well, that's that's just kind of perfect. Um, and yep. so, yeah. I, I, I love that deck. Uh, I think of it, for magic terms, it's a reanimator deck for the Ultra Magnus armor. Yeah, that's fair. Um, All right. It, its All purpose right. is to keep... It keeps Ultra Magnus armor in play mm-hmm. on the character that you need. It uses Quartermaster to switch the, the armor back and forth to whoever needs it. Um, I like that deck a lot. When I went to London for the um, the UK uh, Open, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was playing that deck there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually uh, I, I saw one of your other things, and it may have been the UK one, where you said you're using Quartermaster, and I, I, I don't know why I didn't even think to use Quartermaster. My thought was, hey, it's going to get knocked off Ultra Magnus at some point, either when he's KO'd or um, when, you know, someone plays a, a Disarmor or whatever, right? A Vaporize or some one, yep. one of the cards to scrap it. Um, and I was like, cool, then I'll just have Jetfire pick it back up, and then they knock it off Jetfire, and then Jetfire will pick it back up, and then they'll knock it off Jetfire, and Jetfire will pick it back up. And so Ultra Magnus, in his truck mode, has the Brave mechanic, which means you, if you legally can, you have to attack him first. So really, I was playing a Jetfire deck where where he just kept picking up Ultra Magnus and throwing him in the way. 
Um, <laughs> which is, yep. you know, sort of a, a, a funny visual, right? Kind of the, one of those weird things that I like doing. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of success with that deck too. Um, it, it fell apart when I got against uh, a, a four wide team. So four smaller characters, um, just because the extra attacks um, were a bit of a, a <laughs> hurdle to overcome. Um, right. And, that, and that's where the, the quartermaster really helps. Yeah, that makes sense. If you can get the armor on the character who you know is going to be attacked, or if it's the only tapped character you have who was hat they have to attack, mm-hmm. the, that much armor really helps brunt, uh, brunt, uh, <laughs> uh, helps def- you know mitigate the the incoming damage from the wide teams. Having said that, yeah, the way the that team's Achilles heel is in fact like five wide insecticons. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, a lot of people's Achilles heels are the, the four and five white Insecticons, it seems. Uh, they are, they're sort of, in magic terms, they're kind of red deck wins. Sure. They're a relatively <laughs> um, easy deck to put together. They, it doesn't require a lot of hard-to-get cards, mm-hmm. and they are pretty consistently good. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. They are, it's a straight goblin deck. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yep. even think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're l- the little annoying things that yeah. don't go away and swarm you. Yep, yeah. yep, 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 makes perfect sense. Yep. <laughs> I'm also trying to figure out a way to make the fire cons work. I'm going to figure out a good deck with those. Yeah. I like the, it, it, this, my favorite part about this, this game has just been looking at the mechanics of it. I, I, the way that Andy introduced it to me was we were at a local uh, gaming convention here in Phoenix, and uh, we sat down to try it out because we were, you know, at a gaming convention, so perfect, let's play a game for a little while. And uh, we sat down, and he had a couple of pre-built decks, and uh, the other Drew uh, from your Cabal, uh, he had a uh, Soundwave deck that he let me try for the, you know, at first to, to just like, hey, here's how the mechanics work. And I won. Mm-hmm. Using his sound wave deck, and yeah. we're like, oh, okay, I get how all this works. This is, fun. you know, all right, the colors, right, I think I get this. And immediately went out and bought a bunch of cards and, <laughs> and the, the Metroplex and everything just because I had so much fun just just getting to do that and then just wanted to, like, oh, man, I want to try to build decks with this. This is just mm-hmm. these mechanics look so much fun i can't wait to try this out and then every time i open up some new boosters i go oh man now i need to redo that deck i was working on because i got this other autobotter here i've got a whole new set of actions that i didn't have before that can change the things that work oh hey i can put this in my metroplex because every time now my giant character can step on all these little things if i play a brainstorm and then two of these step back just little things like that that i go back and go, oh man i can put this in my metroplex and it's going to mm-hmm. make it better and it's just you guys did a really great job designing this game the artwork just everything on it it's it's been a joy just to get to start experiencing this game uh somebody just coming into it thank you i really appreciate that a uh, couple of quick 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 reactions to what you said um the sound wave and blaster decks are a ton of fun to play speaking of meat shields one of the cool things about them is they spit out a meat shield yes right? like, <laughs> those those uh those tapes are not long for the world in many cases but they keep the blaster and sound wave characters alive while you just you know load them up with uh, with uh, uh, upgrades, so that's awesome. Uh, speaking of insecticons and art, one of my favorite pieces in Siege Two is Raider Kickbacks uh, Bug Load. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the sort of uh, the, the, this was a lot of of, of Shanna, the art director, working with the the, the artist. Um, that sort of like swarm of insecticons in the background that you can just sort of barely see through the haze. I love it. I'd love to have that piece of my wall. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even realize that there were other Insecticons behind him. 
Yep. Oh, I'm definitely yep. going to go take a look yeah, at that. Yeah, after I look up that artwork immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get off here. Hey, uh, Drew, we are getting the uh, the notice from our, our uh, people that we've only got a couple minutes left. So um, anything, any social media you go on a hype or, or product you want to let people know about where and when to, to find? Yes. Yeah, so really quickly, Siege 2 uh, booster set releases at your local friendly game store November 8th. Um, it has uh, tons of new stuff on release weekend. You can get Nightbird, who's one of the new mercenary characters, mm-hmm. just for showing up and playing Transformers at your local game store. Um, so call your local game store, see if they're participating in Transformers. And then check out our uh, Facebook um, group, the Transformers trading card group on Facebook or hashtag Transformers TCG. And I have one last question for you guys before we finish. Uh, who's the character that you would really love us to put in the Transformers trading card game that we have not yet done so? Josh, why don't you go first? Because I have my answer. Yeah, I, I got my mind. Mine's got to be the Pretender's Wave Rider because Devastators are already in there. That's my favorite. The, as a kid, that, that Wave Rider, that Pretender's was my all-time. Like I loved that toy. So if I saw that in there, it would make my absolute day. Got it. Pretender's Wave Rider. Um. I <laughs> I've put a lot of thought into this one and it's it's kind of a weird explaining one but I, I think I even have how the card mechanics work in my head. Um, Don't tell me that part. Just tell me the character. Okay. I would like to see Overlord but I would like to see him as two... The, I want to see the tank and the jet as two separate cards. Okay. Right? Interesting. Um, alternatively, just Generation 2 Megatron, the purple and green tank because that thing is so ostentatiously ugly that uh, I love it. <laughs> Um, did, you see the, did you see that Hasbro released a uh, a repaint of Siege One Megatron in G two alt colors, not the not the garish purple, right? Uh, but the like the, the hero colors. Megatron. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's close, but it's not as ugly as I want Megatron to be. Um, but yeah, okay. So uh, we are out of time. We are. Um, Drew, it was a pleasure having you on. We really appreciate it. Uh, we love the card game. We're big fans of it. We're, we're, I'm super excited to see the, the next set and mm-hmm. what's coming in for the next few years. And uh, we really appreciate you being on the show today. Great. I was awesome to be on the show. I love talking to you. And I can't wait to the next time. Cool. Yeah, man. We'll have you back when uh, whatever comes out next is, uh, is happening. Yeah, we look forward to it and can't wait to, to see what comes next. Cool. Uh, thanks again, guys. Thank you. All right. All right, everybody, check us out, uh, AtomicMonsoon.com, all of our usual socials, and we'll talk to you next week. 